Thank you for joining us for today's Real Life Today Bible Study with Dr. Brad Witt from the Book of Romans. Thank you for your prayer and support that enables us to share this practical biblical teaching. So grab a Bible, a notebook, and a pen, and let's study God's Word together. Romans chapter 4 today. Uh, Romans chapter 4. Uh, if you remember last time we were together, uh, we started there in Romans chapter 4, and we talked about faith and works. And I, I told you that you know, a lot of times folks pit Paul against James, and that's really unfair. They're really just coming at the same issue from just two different sides. And sometimes folks like Martin Luther would, would say that James is just teaching a salvation through works, and that's not it at all. He's saying the exact same thing Paul was saying, just, again, from the other side. And uh, Paul was saying, hey, uh, faith and works, uh, or rather you're saved by faith and uh, not by works. And James is saying if you're saved by faith, you're going to have works. Uh, it's basically the same thing they're saying. So last time we talked about the fact and we looked at uh, how the salvation that Paul is talking about here, uh, it makes sense. It's reasonable. It, it's historical. You can see it in the lives of, of Abraham and David. And then it is biblical. And it goes back to Psalm 32, uh, quoting David there, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. And so that brings us today to chapter 4, verse 9. And uh, what we're going to see today is exactly what Paul, or rather what First John says, uh, faith is the victory. This is uh, how we've overcome the world, our faith. And it's faith that makes all of the difference. So we're going to do something this morning we haven't really done in a little bit. We're going to read an extended section of Scripture. And so get your reading glasses on there, if you will, and uh, let's look down through there. And let's beginning in verse number nine, let's read through the end of the chapter. There's something really important, guys. Uh, it does something to your soul uh, when you spend extended times reading the Word of God, not just focusing on a word or a verse or, or, or a couple of verses, but really just getting an idea and an overview. And you do that when you read a longer passage. So we're going to do that today, picking up in verse uh, number nine. And so what Paul says is, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was uncircumcised or uncircumcised? No, uh, not rather, not while, un, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. Though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who are not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Now just kind of pack, pack what he's, understand what he's saying here. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all see, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of, of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of nations. In the presence of him whom, whom he, he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he might become the that so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken so shall your descendants be and not being weak in faith he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb 
He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone, but that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. And so, man, that is, that is some heavy stuff right there, guys. That, I mean, I'm just telling you right now, that is some deep water. That, this, is the, this is the Himalayas. And what, what Paul is dealing with here is faith. You, you saw that word over and over and over again. I mean, it is all through uh, that passage that, that we just read. I didn't take the time to count it up this morning, but I'm, I'm just telling you, it was repeated over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, I was thinking the other day that um, I never was really good at science and math. That was I was more of an English and language and arts and those kind of guys. Uh, that, that's kind of my shtick. Kim was your math and science. And uh, she is, um, um, she's teaching our kids. She does a great job with that here, homeschooling. And um, I, I was doing a little bit more reading this morning, make sure I was right about this. You know, a lot of times you, you talk about water being hydrogen and, uh, and oxygen. And uh, <clears throat> some people think we well, just take those two, two elements and put them together that you've got water. No, not necessarily. Uh, it takes something special. What you've got to do uh, is, as a matter of fact, if you just take hydrogen and, um, and uh, oxygen, put them together, you're, you're not going to have much at all. Uh, you've got to, but, but if you put a little bit of platinum, if you add a little bit of platinum to the mixture, all of a sudden things begin to heat up, literally. And uh, the oxygen and the hydrogen atoms combine to form H2O. And that's kind of the way it is in, in, in our spiritual life. Our life can, can just kind of interact casually with God and not much happen. But when you add faith, things begin to change very, very quickly. And what Paul points out here is that it's that kind of faith that was exhibited by Abraham and uh, and it's not, it's not content with things just to keep going the way they are. I mean, when you add this kind of faith in, I mean, look, you saw that in the example of Abraham. When you added faith into the, the elements, if you will, of Abraham and Sarah, and uh, things began to change very, very, very quickly. Again, it is faith that makes all of the difference. It is faith that is the victory. And so let's look here really quickly this morning at faith. And, and Paul tells us several things here. He says that it is this kind of faith that makes sense of the symbols. It makes sense of the symbols. If you look there in verse 11, and he received the sign or the symbol of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. So we understand if you've been around church at all, I mean, you've, you've learned, you've heard, not something we talk about all the time, but circumcision, it's important. It was very important uh, symbol to the Jews. Because it was the mark that identified them as a unique people. And I asked this, I think, last time. How do you know that you have the mark unless you're showing stuff you're not supposed to be showing? But that's a whole other sermon. Uh, but it was a mark that identified them as a very unique people. Because it symbolized the covenant relationship that they have with God. It's so important. Matter of fact, rabbinic uh, tradition says that if there was a Jew that was absolutely so bad that God had to condemn him, that God would take an angel, appoint that angel to come and uncircumcise him uh, before he entered into judgment. So that's a, that's a rabbinic tradition and there's not much to it. But, but that just shows how important <clears throat> uh, circumcision is and was to the Jews. 
what Paul says here is that this symbol took place in Abraham's life at least 14 years uh, before he'd been declared uh, righteous. Um, after, after the birth of Ishmael, he received the sign of circumcision, he says here, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised. And so the sign came after the event. Uh, it came at 14 years after, 14 years after he had been declared righteous. So the sign that came after uh, the event, uh, as a matter of fact, it would have been absolutely meaningless uh, unless it actually represented a reality that had already taken place. And so symbols can represent truth. We, we know that, but they're no substitute for the real thing. And so, uh, you know, we're from West Tennessee. My family, uh, Kim and all, her parents, or grandparents rather, had a storm shelter. Absolutely scared to death of storms. In West Tennessee, we, we've had lots of bad tornadoes. Uh, uh, the dorms that I lived in at Union University when I was a, a sophomore were destroyed by a tornado uh, in 2001, 2002. Uh, I mean, just turned to Kenland. South Jackson, where I worked uh, there at the law firm, um, Rainy Kaiser, Butler, Revere, and Bell, and then uh, Holmes, Rich, and Sigler before that. Uh, there was an area just, I mean, just a block or two over that was just, I mean, turned to Kenlin. Uh, West Tennessee has lots of bad tornadoes. We're called Tornado Alley over there. And so uh, <clears throat> lots of folks have storm shelters, tornado shelters. And uh, Kim's grandparents had, a, had one they would drive into. Whenever a storm came, they had, they, had a, they had one big enough. They would just drive their truck into this storm shelter. And uh, can, can you imagine a, a tornadoes coming and you've got the signs, you know, and, and, and there's somebody huddling and hiding and holding on to uh, a sign as the storm, as a tornado comes through, uh, instead of getting into the storm shelter. I mean, uh, holding on to a little sign on the side of the road is not going to do anything for you. Um, the value of the sign is only to let you know that there might be a storm shelter nearby. Uh, <clears throat> and that's kind of the way baptism and uh, Lord's Supper are. Uh, they're symbols that are very, very common to our Christian understanding, our Christian faith. But they're absolutely meaningless without a personal faith and personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so before partaking of the symbol, before being baptized, before taking the Lord's Supper, one has to do what Paul says here and walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham while he had while he was still uncircumcised. And so the very first thing that Paul says here about this is that, that it is his faith that makes sense of the symbol. But then number two, it is a faith that rests in the promises of of God. Verse 16, uh, Paul says, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those <clears throat> who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So he uses the word promise here. He uses the word promise. And the word that he uses here specifically means an unconditional promise. I actually went and pulled it up uh, this morning, a pangalia. Uh, a pangalia. It's one of two words for promise that you find in the New Testament. You got the other one, uh, hupostasis, and um, which kind of has an idea of conditions. This right here is one that has no strings attached at all. And the reason why is if God's promises were based on works, they would be conditional. Uh, only those who could perform at a certain level, have enough money, uh, <clears throat> opportunities, uh, health, whatever, uh, could perhaps be possible uh, to receive those promises. But God's promises are not based upon our good works. Remember, it is by grace through faith. And so by grace, God has determined that there's only one factor that's going to uh, influence the outcome, and that is faith. 
And here's the thing. Faith's available to everybody. Nobody has any more opportunity or advantage over the next one. That's what we hear a lot about today. And so through faith, um, the promises of God are sure and they're certain. And then lastly, uh, it's a faith that makes the impossible possible. Uh, look what he says in verse number 19. <clears throat> he says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Um, man, the, the cars were stacked against Abraham, weren't they? And Sarah, for them to have a baby to start what God said was going to happen, to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the, on the sea, sure. <laughs> I mean, he's 100 years old. She's way past childbearing years. I mean, the, the cards are stacked against them. Uh, and yet, verse number 19 says again, that not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he's about 100 years old. In the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So what, what Abraham realized is that through faith, the impossible became possible. The more difficult the circumstance, the greater the opportunity for God to show up and show off, for God to reveal his glory, for God to do what nobody else can do. You know, somebody as well said that whenever God wants to do a great work, he always starts with something that's impossible. Whenever God wants to do something great, he starts with something that is extremely difficult. And so faith is that which enables us to use the problems of life as opportunities. Instead of being defeated by them, overcome by them, God works through them and he receives the glory. And we need that kind of faith today. Coming out of COVID, uh, we need that kind of faith. Facing what we're facing in our world, we need that kind of faith. It's the, th it's the thing that turns. It's the element, hydrogen, hydrogen and oxygen, platinum coming together. It's the element. It's the missing element in most people's lives today. We need that kind of faith. And I wonder, have you expressed that kind of faith? Have you, have you experienced that kind of faith that changes eternity? And if you've never trusted Jesus, I mean, that's, <clears throat> you read it in that chapter right there. Go back and read it again. That, that's, that's what we're looking for. Remember last time we looked back to the cross. Abraham looked forward to it. We look back. We trust all of us. For Abraham, David, us. We trust what Jesus did on the cross. And I wonder, have you ever done that today? If you haven't, you could do that before we leave today. You could pray a simple prayer where you admit that you're a sinner because we all are. Romans says that, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All that's right here in Romans. And today, if you would realize that you're a sinner, repent of your sin, turn from your sin, Jesus would take that which is dead and give it life. 